take our seats as we get ready. As we wrap up our summer of renewal, as you know, we've had David Bell here as well as other guest speakers, uh, hometown favorite. Um, Mike Hoppe is here to wrap things up. Dr. Debe, an interesting fact, uh, two weeks ago, you know, a couple weeks when they were gone, uh, he and Carol actually climbed Mount Everest. So be sure you talk to them about that, and I'm sure he'll have some comments about that here shortly. All right, let's welcome Mike up here. Thanks, Mike. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, turn with me, if you would, please, to James chapter 1. If you're using the, um, the Bible on the pew, it would be on page 977. Do I turn this off somehow? We're getting a lot of reverberation up here. We're good to go. All right. James chapter 1. Well, we know that each day... We must make small decisions to act in order to get big results. You experience this truth if you've ever had to change your diet. Maybe some of you have had to change your diet before. Maybe your blood test results came back and you showed that you were pre-diabetic or diabetic. Um, maybe it was just a good idea for you to cut down on caffeine. Sorry about that. Um, or, you know, maybe you just wanted to, you know, get ready for bikini season. Right, Mike? I know you do. Yes. Um, but nonetheless, you, you realize when you need to do something like this, make life changes, that it's a matter of making small decisions to act each day in order to see these, these big results. Um, problem comes two or three days after you've made this, this, grand, this grand commitment because then all of a sudden uh, you, you realize you're drinking your coffee with sugar in it, which is two no-nos in some ways, right? Or uh, you, you've eaten all that you're supposed to and you're still hungry. And so you, you can look and see the, the carrot sticks with the dog. Our dog eats carrot sticks. Um, carrot sticks or carrot cake. So you have, you know, you, small decisions each day, right? Well, today we're going to take a, a gander into James chapter 1 where he's going to tell us to continue in what we know to be best by applying it to the situations in our, of our lives. And as we do... Um, we're going to be those, he would say, are doers of the word and not simply hearers only. Because if we want big results, we have to make decisions to act every day. So we know this to be true because James tells us. In fact, if we could put up uh, that passage, I, I, there we go. James chapter 1. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, it's interesting that uh, Martin Luther, probably most, um, most uh, famously, and, and others, don't really like, didn't really like the book of James. They felt that it didn't have enough of sort of like the gospel, like you would hear in Paul. And yet, verse 18 is anything you would have heard in Paul, where you know, he gave us the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits. And, and he did this as we go down so that in verse 22 it says we would not be merely listeners to the word but, and then deceive ourselves, but instead we would do what it says. Because, of course, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is someone who looks at their face in the mirror and then after looking themselves goes away and then immediately forgets what they look like, which is strange if you think about it. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And again, I would love to sit with Brother Martin Luther and, and just say, I mean, 
I know he never liked the law. He felt that grace overpowered the law, and he, was not, he didn't care for it. But, you know, Paul, too, says that the law, even the law of Moses, there's nothing wrong with the law. We just could never keep it. You know, it told us great things about God uh, reflecting his character and ways that we were to be interacting with one another. So even the law of Moses was perfect, and it gave freedom if you walked in God's ways. So let us uh, look into today being doers and not hearers only. And as we do, I'm going to pray for us, okay? So let's bow our heads one moment. God, we first celebrate that you chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all you created. Even today, Spirit, you stirred our hearts to worship you as creator, to remember you as creator, to reflect on you as the one who made all things. And so we rely on that. We, we look to that and uh, say, you must know how everything works. And so we ask now that you feed us, Lord Jesus, for it is not by bread alone that we exist, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we pray that together we would hear that spirit um, speaking to us through the word today. Even be pleased to use my lips, I ask. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I appreciate Mike, uh, in his introduction, at least getting some of it right, when he said that, uh, you know, it's Labor Day and, uh, uh, you know, it's the end of, of summer, the unofficial end of summer. And, of course, it is, a, for us, the unofficial, I suppose even official, uh, end of the, spirit, the, the summer of renewal here in 2019. Now, for those of you who may be guests, um, we are in a season, ending a season, where we've been very intentional to simply be open to the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, uh, and, and interact with the Spirit, to be renewed. And uh, part of that was that we took um, opportunity to send our pastor off on a sabbatical so he could be renewed, and we'll get him back next week. Nate's coming back next week. Yay! Um, but uh, together, we've been continuing as a church, not simply white-knuckling everything, but really moving forward uh, through a number of special things. And, um, you know, the special preaching and events are coming to a close, but that doesn't mean that God's work in our lives is coming to a close. Because, of course, in Philippians we read that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, right? So whatever God has done, he will continue to do to work with us. Now, in our, our summer of renewal, we started in the spring, of course, and we had seminars. Seminars, uh, maybe many of you attended those seminars, and that was for us to set our intention, to just listen, to see if the Holy Spirit spoke to us, any issues, any ideas that, that would be for our renewal in the summer. Um, we had uh, seminars on uh, the Enneagram, which is a, a way of looking at people, helping them to move past their sinful nature. We read a book together called Sacred Rhythms that set the topics for David Bell's sermons. And if, if we could look at those, those topics right now... Um, Topics in the Sacred Rhythms book included solitude, right? That's one of those things in our very, very busy society and, and culture. It's nice to take a minute, let the Spirit speak to us. Scripture, Lectio Divina, maybe some of you remember that was basically one strategy of, of reading the Word of God in a way that the Word of God began to read us, okay? Prayer, uh, self-examination, 
And that would be one of those steps, especially for those who are journalists, people who love to journal. Maybe they would do that. You know, end of the day, just think about um, how, where did I see God? I know, I know all the rest of what I saw during the day, but, but where did God break in? It's nice to reflect on those things and, and be able to, to worship in that way. Uh, exercising discernment. Sabbath rest. That's not something you hear all that often. How many people have ever really heard many sermons on Sabbath? It's just not something we talk about. Uh, and there might be some reasons for that. But, uh, and then, of course, taking God with you to work, which is also very, um, very life-giving. Because everything we do is before the face of God, and he's pleased to have people in all manner of ways of working. So, um, you know, we, we read that book, but we also had a, a really good discussion group on Wednesday nights. James and uh, Jennifer Friesen led that group, um, and many, many folks were able to attend that. Um, if you remember, David, uh, you know, took and he kind of formulated the, the preaching series into renewal of ourselves, renewal of our relationships here in church, and then renewal of our work outside of church as well. And God used these opportunities, and, and maybe other means. Maybe God spoke to you this, this summer outside of what we were doing, and obviously that's very valid. You're still part of the church. You're being renewed. That's good. Um, but the Spirit basically held up a mirror to us through these things, through, through the Word of God, through, through the ways that, that we interacted with, with Him. The Spirit held up a mirror to us uh, so that we could look at ourselves, I suppose, in some way, a, a little deeper. Look at other things in our life a little deeper. But as James says, the Spirit didn't do that just so that we can forget about it, but instead that we could continue on in what God has shown us. So, question for you, in these last 20 weeks or so, what habits or relationships or activities did the Spirit highlight for your renewal? James 1.18, remember, said... He, God gave birth to us so that we might bear fruit. Think about what the Spirit conceived in you. What did he drop into your spirit for you to nurture in order for you to be able to bear fruit? Remember this thing. Write it down. Memorize it. Tell your neighbor. Because James commends us to continue in this work of renewal. That's, that's our, 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 our kernel today, the kernel of truth. Or to frame it a little differently, right? Each day we must make small decisions to act in order to see big results. And so what we'd like to do today is simply reflect on uh, the summer. And if, you know, you need a partner in this, it's a great opportunity to meet with brothers and sisters and say, um, could I get together with you next week? Can we get together in a, in a month and pray about these things? I just want to, I've got this really good thing going on by the Spirit, and I just want to see it nurtured and go on well. Um, by the way, as I mentioned, Nate will be coming back next week. Um, but we'd also like opportunity uh, for people to give testimonies, to be able to share some of the ways the Spirit has made uh, renewed activities in their life, a renewal in spiritual disciplines or something in their life. And if you would like to share those things uh, with the congregation, please let me know. Please let other members of the Renewal Committee know. Um, we'd like to, like to have a little session. We're going to hear from Nate uh, what God did in his life. But um, it, it's the Spirit's work for the whole church as well. Now, in order for us to continue uh, in these things, I wanted us to take a look at Solomon. Okay, there's a reason um, I wanted to look at Solomon. You may know, be familiar with Solomon. He was that once great king in Israel. At one time, 
uh, the Lord reached out and touched Solomon's life and instructed him on how to live better. But Solomon didn't exactly finish well. You know, um, in Old Testament times, as you read it, Solomon was considered a very great man. You know, he had a lot of things that he had done. He, he built the first temple for God, which is kind of cool. But of course, he spent twice as much time building a temple to himself, right? The palace of the cedars of Lebanon. He's noted for his great wisdom and opulence, and yet, when you get to the New Testament, Jesus says, uh, you know, look at these uh, flowers of the field. You know, I know you're worried about what you wear, but these flowers of the field, they neither labor nor spin. And guess what? A handful of these weeds have more splendor than Solomon. Well, how do you go from being one of the wisest men who ever lived and all the opulence to being uh, unfairly compared to a, a handful of weeds, right? I mean, there's something here that I think we can look at and keep in our minds because um, Solomon started pretty much the same way as we did with our summer of renewal. I mentioned before that there were workshops. Did, did anyone here go to any of those workshops that we had for intentionality? Okay, some of you. Um, when we began our, our time of uh, reflection, our time of, of processing, we read the story of Jesus uh, who had um, met with the blind people. Remember, met blind Bartimaeus on the road, and Bar Bartimaeus uh, is there on the road and screaming out, hey, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus walks up, of course, a crowd of people, and what does Jesus say to him? He says, what can I do for you? Now, I know I'm Captain Obvious at times, but it's like I kind of could guess what Jesus should have done for him. But Jesus didn't do the obvious. He asked him, and there's good reasons to ask, what would you like me to do for you? Heal my blindness, and so Jesus did it. That's how we started, right? If Jesus was like that, standing in front of you now, and you had that, that same drive in your life for something to be changed in your life, what would it be? What can I do for you? And I bring Solomon into this because as I thought of that question, um, it reminded me that in 1 Kings chapter 3, God had asked the very same question of Solomon. Solomon recently comes to the throne, and he's a young boy, and he's not sure what to do, uh, how to lead this people with, with wisdom and integrity, and, and he has a dream, and God says, what would I do for you? And, and Solomon says, I'm not seeking either riches or, or great wealth and fame, but I just want wisdom to lead the people better. And, and God said to him, that was a good choice, actually. In fact, I'm going to give you the other two because you've chosen the, the correct thing, which is, which is me. But there's a problem with Solomon because he didn't really finish well. I just mentioned that. Let's look into that, how he started the same way we did and he didn't finish well to see if there's any wisdom we can learn from Solomon's life so that we would finish well. What has God spoken to you this summer? What, what can God do for you? What has God begun in your life? And how can we do better than Solomon did? Well, one of the first things, if you don't mind this next slide, um, as a king of Israel, uh, there was specific things written to him in the law of Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, starting in verse 18, uh, God says, listen, when he, the, the king, takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him, and he is to read it, what, all the days of his life? 
so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and his decrees, right? So again, small decision each day to act up here in order that he might read this perfect law that gives life and freedom and be not just a hearer but a doer of the word. Verse 20, and therefore not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites in turn from the law to the right or the left, then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Okay, so pretty simply, you get to live in a palace, you get to have all these palatial things going on in your life. I've got just kind of a simple thing for you to do, and that is write the, you know, the law down and read it. Now, I'm not sure, I'm fairly confident that the king probably didn't have to write down the five books of Moses. But he had to at least write down Deuteronomy 17. I started here in, in verse 18, but um, there are four things, if you go just a little bit above in the chapter, if you don't mind, go to the next slide. There are four things that uh, he was not supposed to do. Verse 16 tells us, The king must not acquire a great number of horses for himself, or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So, um, I'll make allowance for the fact that it would have been a good thing for the king of Israel, any king, anyone in an authority, to, to reflect on, on the Ten Commandments every day and these different things. But I guarantee you, he was supposed to remember four things every day. Don't acquire a bunch of great number of horses. Uh, don't really traffic with Egypt. I don't want my people going back there. It was a former place of idolatry. Uh, don't tempt them. Uh, three, don't take many wives. Uh, biblically, I think one is a good round number. Uh, four, uh, you must not accumulate large amounts of gold and silver, right? Gold and wealth. Look, if you, if you do these things, you know, O oh, oh king, it will go well for you. So the king was supposed to read and reread these things. Um, now, for us, the question would be, again, what has God spoken to you over the summer? Maybe he didn't tell you you had to do absolutely one certain thing every single day. But maybe there were some other things. Um, for example, if you don't mind, the next slide. You know, looking again at, at just using these sacred rhythms as a, as a skeleton. You know, perhaps you benefited from your, your times of solitude or waiting prayer. Do you remember David did that with us? When he would, he, sometimes when he would, he would lead, he, he would have like a little workshop, that's a little too far. He would have a little workshop uh, in which we just took some time and had some listening prayer. That's okay, that's all right. So maybe you benefited from times of solitude and waiting. Or um, maybe with your, by yourself or with others, you practiced Lectio Divina, reading the Word of God in such a way that it began to read you. Um, perhaps you took time for self-examination. How different would dinner be when, you know, you sit there and it's good to have opportunity to talk about your burdens, but how nice it would be to also tag onto that where God met you in those things. Wouldn't that, I mean, that would kind of change a little bit of the, the dinner conversation, wouldn't it? Even if not, you know, maybe just before you go to, go to sleep, it's not hard to carry all the, the, the weight of the day into, um, you know, your, your time to try to sleep, to go to bed, and, you know, your mind's racing. But wouldn't it be wonderful to take a little bit of time for self-examination and be able then 
to remember, well, wait a minute, God was in the midst of this. And, and while I don't have resolution to these other three things, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest in the, the knowledge and the thought that God will take care of it. You know, he will work through these things. Maybe um, I'll have to wait longer than I wanted, but, but God will be good. Have you begun practicing your Sabbath differently? There's a question. Um, I think as Americans, first of all, we have to buy into the fact that we should be taking a day off um, and uh, a week, right? And, you know, setting ourselves aside from all the other things. But, you know, we don't live under the law, but we're still human. And God said it goes well for humans if you take time every day and balance out your week with rest, your work with rest. So have you practiced your Sabbath differently at all? How have you taken God to work with you? Have you in your own mind and heart settled uh, that, that what you do is holy? It's just fine. If you're a social worker, be a social worker for the glory of God. If you're a dentist, fix people's teeth to the glory of God. If you install software, fix hard drives, do it to God's measure of quality. If you're a banker or serving food, do it in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit comes out of your life and people are blessed uh, that you take care of. Maybe this, this summer, uh, the work in the Enneagram has made a difference for you. I know it has for me. It's been very insightful for me in my uh, practice of daily awareness, self-awareness, to be able to understand my sinful tendencies, but also to celebrate those things that, that come a little easier to me and be able to use those things in greater service to God and his kingdom. Um, so yes, again, what is it that God wants you to continue in? Um, was it one of these things or perhaps something else? We remember what it was for Solomon. It was those four things. You know, uh, no horses, no great numbers of horses. Don't go back to Egypt. Um, don't take many wives and, and don't accumulate lots of silver and gold. Well, guess what? Next slide will show us Solomon failed. Now, we're not sure who wrote the books of 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles, but I guarantee you, in one hand, they had Deuteronomy 17 as they're scribbling these words about Solomon because remember in, in De Deuteronomy 17, verse 16, the king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself. Absolutely not, right? Huh. Well, 1 Kings 10, Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. That's, that's quite a few, which he kept in chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. Well, the second thing he wasn't supposed to do is make people return to Egypt to get more of them. Well, verse 28. Solomon's horses were imported from where? You guessed it, Egypt. And Que um, is, um, at that time it would have been, it was in Mesopotamia, would have been Babylon, basically. The royal merchants purchased them from Que at the current price. They imported a chariot from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. They also exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and of the Arameans. That was a good idea. They're, they're enemies. Um, wise king. Uh, so four things I'm telling you, look at every single day and don't do them. Here's one, here's two. Let's go to the next slide. Because wait, there's more. So the third one, you must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Now the weight of gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents. Anybody ever seen that number anywhere else? Um, yeah. Um, not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the territories. Oh, well, maybe he's going to do better on the fourth one, but let's take a look. You must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. Huh, verse 
Chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women beside Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord has told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wife, wives led them astray. So I did the math on that. That's a new woman every three days. So um, you better be rich. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, Solomon failed. And I think we can point to the fact that he had kind of a simple thing to do every day. Make some simple decisions to act on four simple things, and it all would have gone well for him. But he didn't. He didn't. He was a hearer only of the word, if he ever did any of it, right? If he ever, and ever did it. But he was certainly not a doer. So, in the summer of renewal, we've been given ideas. God has opened up to us kind of a banquet of ideas. Uh, places to find renewal, whether it was a, a spiritual discipline, maybe something you've done before, maybe in your college days or something, you used to, used to do Sabbath very well. I'm not going to study on Sunday. I'm going to go to church and worship. I'm going to this and that. And you kind of got away from that. You got kids and it's a little bit difficult, blah, blah, blah. But now you think, you know what? Maybe there's a way as a family. We're going to get back to that, okay? Small decision to act every day. And it can, you know, result in something much greater. But, you know, when you get to the law, when you're talking about the law, you, um, you realize that it's difficult because while it is perfect, we can't do it, can we? But wait, there's more. I think the last slide. Because the Queen of Sheba will rise in judgment with this generation to come. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, whatever, but now something greater than Solomon is here. We can't live the law, can we? We, we have these ideas of, of new types of prayer and how to do Sabbath. But guess what? We're going to fail too. Except that something greater, someone greater than Solomon is here. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God who dwells in you. Yours by baptism. Draws us to God the Father. And from that we have energy. That it, Paul says through our, our baptism, we have the energy of the resurrection, right? We, we fall short. We fail. We're not going to do any better than Solomon. I'm nowhere near as wise as Solomon. And yet I can, I can actually end up better than Solomon if I, every day, make you know, small decisions to act. Or as James says, I look constantly into the law, that, that perfect law that gives life, and continue in it, right? I mean... I admit, sometimes I'm so rushed. I love to do that, that quiet prayer, just waiting prayer. But sometimes you're so rushed and, and you don't do it. I don't do it, I should say. But I know that as I do those things, the Spirit meets me in them. You know, Jesus is the one greater than Solomon. He obeyed. That's that, one of those key points that made Jesus better than, than Solomon. And we know that from Philippians 2 and, and 8. He says, that he was being found in appearance as a man. But he humbled himself. Humbled himself to become obedient even unto death. And I think that phrase talks about obedience walking every day uh, before the time of the Passion, those 30 years where he had to learn how to be obedient to parents. He had to learn how to, how to read and follow daily what James would later say, the perfect law, and continue in it. 
but he did not even blanch. He did not even draw aside, but instead went all the way through the cross. Jesus was obedient. This one, he is greater than Solomon ever would be, and he is ours. That is the point of all we did. That was the prayer of us as the renewal committee, was that uh, God would be pleased to use us, to come alongside the Holy Spirit, to, to come alongside everybody here in the church, and to provide opportunity for us to sample, to learn different things, and see what the Spirit might highlight in your life, in your life, in your life, so that together we might grow uh, in the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, none of us have Solomon's wealth or opulence, um, but through strength, that strength that God gives us, we can finish well if we look daily into that perfect law that gives life and continue in it. Now through this summer, even though this summer of renewal is ending, God's work in your life is not. I've mentioned that before. Remember I said, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This summer, the Spirit has done new things for many people or maybe just renewed something that they had done before. But no, I'm not going to quibble. There's been a renewal energy for everyone. So let's keep that momentum going. Let's be intentional about finishing well those sacred rhythms that God has spoken into our life. Make small decisions each day to act so that we might see great results together. Or as James says, you have been given birth through the word of truth. Therefore, look daily into these things which give us freedom and continue in them. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. And we know that worshiping is, uh, includes times of song, of reflection in the scripture, but worship is all of our lives. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices of worship to you. So that means we do not, you know, end our worship uh, in 25 minutes from now and go back to our Monday. But Monday and the work day and the work week and the way we parent and the way we, we are a good friend, the way we are a son or a daughter, all these things are worship. They reflect your glory, O oh God. And we thank you for this energy of renewal, to be intentional and to, to, to move forward, to, to once again know Jesus Christ in a fresh way. We thank you for this summer. We thank you that uh, you are then preparing us now. We can, we can wait with anticipation to see uh, the Spirit working now through the fall. What will you do with us next, Holy Spirit? Now that you've prepared our hearts and prepared our lives, will we see an in, in growth, more people coming, the, the one that we talk about, one more, how will we gather together differently in small groups and share our lives together? How will we come together as a congregation and celebrate not only on Sunday morning in, uh, in what we call our service, but also in times of, of barbecues and um, other events simply put out so that we might know one another and therefore know you better? You are so creative, God. We're looking for the ways that you are creating and recreating here at the church. Again, thank you for this opportunity we've had to know your spirit better. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Right now